I am so honored to have the Valentina Gonzalez. You know her for her infographics, you know her for her webinars, and you know her for her outstanding book. It has over 200 positive reviews on Amazon. Valentina, did you know that? Didn't. I need to go look. Thank it, you. I mean, because I always go and share your book when I do presentations, and I happen to look at, like, I get the link, and I'm like, oh, it was 89, then 150, now 200 something. I was like, Valentina, girl, get it. Good. Thank you for telling me. I'm going to go look right after this podcast. Can you tell me the name of the book again? Reading and Writing with English Learners. Yes, such an easy title. With Dr. Melinda Miller, who is also an amazing colleague. We're excited for your third book to come out pretty soon in the future, because I know that today you'll talk be talking with us and Julia, your daughter, about your second book. And this is the first time we'll have a daughter-mother podcast interview. Valentina and Julia, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Valentina, can you tell us, and Julia, can you tell us how you spend your days and where you spend your days? And Valentina, you can tell us your proudest professional achievement. And Julia, you can tell us about your proudest educational achievement or personal achievement. It's fine. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll start. I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about how I spend my days. Um, I typically, a day for me is different, you know, depending on what uh, the situation is. But I'd say about 60% of my month or week is spent content creating, either writing or drawing or researching and reading. And I love all of those things. So it's a lot of fun for me. And I do that mostly at home. You can see I've got an extensive library. I'm still building it behind me. And if I'm not at home doing content creation, then I'm out on the field, working with teachers, delivering professional development, traveling and sharing strategies that support multilingual learners. And that is a just a true passion of mine as well. Um, I can't say that I actually love being in airports, but when I'm with educators, I'm just filled with joy and excitement and and I just and I love it so much. And my proudest professional achievement I have to say is the growth I've seen with the students that I've worked with in my own classrooms when I had classrooms and even now watching them um I still continue to maintain contact with several of my students and hearing from them and what they're doing now and um, just learning about how much they've grown as adults and, you know, some of them are still in school, in college as well. Um, it's just, I'm so proud to have been part of their journey and to continue to be part of their journey. So definitely that's my proudest professional achievement. If I had a teacher like you, I'd know I'd be so grateful. The, I've seen you present several, several times and I'm thinking, wow, if she presents like this, the way she teaches her students, Oh my goodness, those students are have hit the teacher jackpot with you, Valentina. I say the same about you, Tom. You are an amazing educator and colleague as well. Truly, I, I wish I had a teacher like you when I was growing up. Oh, not when I first started teaching. That was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm sure you love them. And that meant a lot. Yes, they remember, if nothing else, they remembered that I tried 
and I love them and they yes. were welcomed in my classroom. But they didn't really learn the first two years. That was my fault. <laughs> Julia, your turn. So I'm a college student. So how I spend most of my days is doing schoolwork and studying. I'm a senior, so I'm graduating this May. Um, which is going to be a really big achievement for me. But I would say um, my proudest educational achievement would be getting a 4.0 uh, for two semesters in a row. That was something I was really proud of. And that and is not easy. Say that again? <laughs> and we are so proud of that too. We are very proud of our achievements. <laughs> Let's talk about your book, Valentina. Can you tell us the the title of your new book, and then tell us um, the seed for this book. Absolutely. Our new book, which Julia and I co-wrote, is Krofne with Baba. Krofne, kind of with an, a rolling R, with Baba. And it's really a precious book that came from our own lived experiences with our grandmas, um, which in Serbian we call Babas. Both Julia and I have had precious moments with our grandmas, our babas. And one day, um, I, I specifically remember this day. It was not in this house. It was in the previous house that we were in. Um, we were sitting in my office and I was working and Julia was in a chair in the corner. And somehow the topic of our grandmas came up. And we were talking about the experiences we had with our babas and how special our babas were and are to us. We still have a few of our babas, thankfully, with us. And I said, wouldn't it be amazing if we wrote a book about our babas, a story, a picture book? And so it happened. We did it. Uh, I started typing and I asked Julia, you know, does this sound right? Does this sound like it, the way it happened? And, um, you know, we we read and reread and we thought about those experiences and the book came to be. So what is a krafne? krafne? <laughs> that is a really good question. Do you want to tell them what a krafne is? So the best way that I could explain it is basically like a a donut almost it's the same I would say it's close to a donut just without the frosting um, you usually put powdered sugar on top and it's warm and it's just very it's like a really good comfort food I would say and it doesn't have a hole so donuts yeah. typically have a hole but a croissant doesn't have a hole in the middle so it's like funnel cake that's not funnel cake but it's just like a donut fried anything fried is great and you just add powdered sugar it's even better that's exactly <laughs> right you're you're on to it now ton and when you add papa onto it it's even more magical oh my gosh you cannot imagine i mean you can't imagine and there's actually a video of baba showing how to make krafne um i'll give you the link to that a little bit later ton so you can have it we also include the recipe at the back of the book so that you can make Baba's ver version of Krofne. And um, we hope you do try to make Krofne. Um, but when Baba makes Krofne in the kitchen, and she used to do this with Julia, um, it's messy. 
Uh, she loves to be playful in the kitchen. She doesn't mind making a mess. And I think that makes it really special too. The messier the food, the yummer it is. Yeah. And it's similar to us in, in the classroom. You know, teaching is messy also. But that's where the creativity happens. That's where the learning blooms. Well, I'm excited to see that connection between, for you to talk about that connection between this book and working with multilingual learners. So before we get to that, we'll have a special treat of having Julia read a few pages for you. At the end of the podcast, we'll have you, Valentina, read uh, a few pages as well. So should I show, go ahead and show the pages? Yeah, I think so. We've got the video going, so you can show a few pages as well. Okay. Can you see it? Okay. Baba is from Serbia, another country on the other side of the world. She's my grandma, and she teaches me things about Serbian life and also about gardening, swimming, sewing, and cooking. So in the picture, I see there's your very noticeable very uh, distinguishable sketch notes and you had a picture of Serbia and the different places and the pictures, yes. And then you had the other page of just uh, Baba and Julia, it's so cute. And you have all these words in Serbian around her, floating around her, yes. Yeah, so it's already a translanguaging book, right? So tell us about um, how did your Baba influence you? I would say she influenced me. Um, she brought a lot of culture into my life. Um, she surrounded me with a lot of her friends. And so they'd all come over and I'd hear Serbian and she'd make, you know, Serbian coffee and all these different foods. So she definitely um, brought that into my life. Um, she was also, she is very nurturing. Um, she always took care of me and everyone that came into her house and that, you know, really inspires me. Um, so that's a, that's one way I would say she definitely influenced me. So I'm hearing right away there in our field, Julia, we often hear teachers sadly sometimes say, oh, parents don't care or the immigrant parents don't care about their kids' education. And the myth is that that's not true. And you could still clearly tell that you're uh, your papa loved you and wanted you to be part of her life and wanted um, wanted her to be part of your life as well. And so that's, uh, I'm trying to make the connection between this book and multilingual learners. Uh, Valentina, would you like to talk more about that? Yeah, you know, when, when Julia was a toddler, when she was really young and I was still working as a teacher, I would drop Julia off at my mom's house every day and my mom babysat her. And I'm so fortunate for those experiences because throughout those eight hours or more that I was at work, my mom filled Julia with Serbian culture. And I don't know that Julia would have those traditions and experiences without that time with her Baba. Those were valuable hours and days and months and years that she poured love and culture and language into my daughter. And I kind of get teary-eyed because talking about it makes me realize how valuable our grandmas, our babas, our family members, it doesn't have to be a baba, but how valuable they can be to our children because they carry those generational traditions. And 
we can pass those on to our children through family and culture. And so when we share this book, um, you know, we're passing, we're sharing our family and culture and we can have talk and communication around what does your family do? Our family made krofne in the kitchen. We served slatko. But what does your family do? And I've actually shared this book with a few fourth grade classrooms and and children and talked about language and culture. How do you say this word? In Serbian, it's this. And it's fun to hear kids become proud, literally proud of the things they do at home that are different from what you and I do. And the way they say, grandma, oh, at home we say nana or we say, Welita, we say abuela, we say granny. They have so many different ways to to communicate and share language and traditions. And this book is a way to open up that conversation and share culture and language and love. And and I'm just I'm happy that that classrooms and teachers are using it to um to share those uh, experiences with their students. In the in a future question, we'll talk about that. Like, how are how are you noticing teachers are using that? But I think what you just talked about is the assets based lens. Like the the way that uh, Julia spent time with uh, her Baba was that's an asset. All the things that she's sharing about her culture, all the uh, the stories that she's sharing, this the all her language that she's sharing. For example, I guess you can talk about. If we're teaching a kid uh, to read in English, and so we're learning about letter sounds and B, you can we can say, oh, B is for a baby or banana. What uh, in your language uh, starts with B? And Julia can possibly say, Baba. This is how we say Baba. And then it connects to like, oh, Baba means grandmother. How do you say that in different languages? So this is, it's phonics, but now bringing students' cultures and, and affirming that. And But it's also, it's an asset. Exactly. We want to invite their whole self into the classroom. And we can do that through stories. Um, Julia and I both grew up with very strong women in our lives, very strong babas. Um, When I think about my own history, my own family experiences with my babas, I still have one baba who's, who's with me today. And she's, I mean, she's, very vibrant and powerful and strong woman. I love her so much. And even when I was growing up, um, my other Baba as well, she was a wise woman. She only had a fourth grade education, but she is one of the wisest women that I have ever known. And I carry those memories with me because she taught me how to write poetry at a young age. She, you know, she modeled poetry and song through in Serbian because that's all she could do. And I knew Serbian and I also knew English, but I watched her as she wrote her poems and they looked like lace on paper. They were beautiful. I still have some of them. I can't read them because her handwriting is is very difficult for me to read, but my dad can read them and I'm going to ask him to 
you know, transcribe them for me so that I can continue to read them for years to come. But those traditions of, you know, hearing stories and passing on language and culture happened long before Krofne happened. Um, but we want to share this one bit, this one little bite, this experience that we've had and open up the conversation so that we can all contribute our traditions and culture. I'm thinking as you were saying, uh, transcribing your uh Baba's uh, poetry. I'm thinking about that's another book that you can write. That, that's an amazing seed. You're always planting seeds, Ton. It's a, it's a bilingual book, but you could do a Baba. It could be multi-generational. You could be Baba's, then it could be um, in English, then it could be yours, and it could be Julia's. Absolutely, right. yeah. Julia loves poetry too, so she got it from somewhere. Right. <laughs> and that's what I guess, what's what I mean. Like my mom also only had a third year, a th like three years of education. Yes, she was always telling me stories. And same thing with your Baba. Like she only had, a, she only went to fourth grade, but yet she was, she has a love of poetry. And maybe she didn't get to learn poetry in fourth grade, but she modeled the love of writing, the love of being creative. And you and that and that it was instilled in you, right? And so as an adult, you still have that. And this is what we are saying in our field. We, we're turning our, our perspective uh, on what students from what students can't do to what students can do, from what parents can't do and what families can't do to what they can do. And I think your book is helping us see that. Julia, would you let us? Um, I, so I'm hearing all these stories about Baba's. Would you tell us a story, one, one that you really remember about your Baba and how that has influenced you? Um, so one story I can remember, it's also just an experience um, of her teaching me how to cook. So whenever I would come over, she would pull up a chair in the kitchen next to her so I could stand on it and be taller. And she would teach me how to make krafne and she would make her Turkish coffee and I would help her make that and bring it to all of her friends that were sitting on the couch. And so that was kind of an experience that I learned from and anytime she would really cook and I would help that in itself was an experience and it was something that I really enjoyed and I'm really grateful for. And how have those experiences of cooking with her um, you brought, have you ever been able to bring any of that to school or, or that experiences to school? Um, I, with that, I would say it's brought more into, um, my life, maybe not school, but made me, um, want to learn more from her and carry on those traditions of cooking and, um, being with her friends and that Serbian culture has really influenced my personal life. Right. So you're saying it has shaped your identity as a person. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So let's talk about the illustrations. All books, um, your, all, all children's books have illustrations and I'm excited to see, uh, hear more about your illustrations, Valentina. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I uh, talked to John Seidlitz um, from Seidlitz Education about this book, I told him, you know, I, Julia and I wrote it. We have, you know, we have the words. What do you think about the pictures? 
he said, you have to draw the pictures, Valentina. <laughs> you have to. And I said, all right, but it might take me some time. Um, and it did. It took me quite a while to illustrate this book, but it, all of the pictures are drawn on my iPad, you know, hand drawn on the iPad using um, the app Procreate, which those of you who know me know that that's my choice of drawing on the iPad. Um, and it took me a while to actually figure out how I wanted to illustrate Baba and Julia's actual body and face and their hair because, you know, they've obviously both of them have gone through changes in their lives and they look differently. But we came to the conclusion that these two characters that you see here on the cover um, are Baba and Julia. Well, kind of a snapshot of the two of them. And um, some of the pictures also include real objects from Baba's home. So I looked back on photos from Baba's home at that time when when Julia was, you know, going to stay with Baba while I worked. And I clipped out some actual uh, features from her home, some faces and photos from our families and things like that. And I incorporated them into the graphics as well. And there's even a cat in there that was a cat that my mom had at the time. Julia's Baba had at the time. So we tried to incorporate a lot of the actual features from that snapshot of time in, in Julia and Baba's life. And um, yeah, we, we drew them and we edited and revised them. And we hope that they kind of create a visual snapshot of the book Kofna with Baba. Um, the book does really tell a true story of what happened um, on several occasions when Julia was visiting Baba's house. Would you tell me how uh, teachers are using it now, both in elementary school and in older grades? Yes. So I've had several teachers reach out to me and share that, how they're using the book. And um, from pre-K all the way up to older students, uh, in in Younger grades, they're using it when they're working on culture and tradition and identity. And with older students, it really is a book to open up the conversation about culture and identity. And it, it really depends on the developmental level of students, how they're going to be able to connect with it and what they will be able to share through it. So the depth and complexity will change depending on the grade level and age of students who are hearing it and experiencing it. Um, I do recommend that as a class, teachers and students create either recipe books of their own. So having students go back home and talk to their families about what do we make at home? What is a recipe that is part of our family and traditions? Or if it's not a recipe, we can make a traditions book, a class tradition book. So what is something our family does together? We cook together. What do you do together as a family? And we make a, a class tradition book. Um, but these, you know, these are just fun ideas and, and teachers come up with the most 
amazing and creative lessons. So I can't wait to see more of what they're doing. I've also seen content <clears throat> frames with um, the words in English, the words in Serbian, the words in Spanish, the words in Korean, you know, just in all the languages that are spoken in the classroom. So the book is filled with wor other words in Serbian, not just grandma, baba, but many other words in Serbian. And at the end, there's a glossary of those words, too. So you can see what the words actually mean in both languages. There are so many ways you could use this book. I'm thinking about as any as a mentor text for writing a narrative uh, nonfiction story about something that has happened with us or someone we really care about. It can be connected to the concept of caregivers and that it can be one of the inquiries, one of the opening text, mentor texts for, for learning about caregivers or traditions and culture. So I'm just seeing so many uses for this book. I also love that it just models bilingualism, where I know when yeah. I grew up, I didn't get to see my culture reflected. And I don't know if you got to see, uh, Julia, when you grew up, is part of Serbian in your um, elementary school, middle school or high school. Uh, but this is a wonderful way to say, this is a mentor text of, uh, this is a bilingual mentor text, and this is something that you could do too in your languages as we write our own stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, Tan. I, I never saw Serbian anywhere in the literature that I was exposed to. And I think Julia was the same. And amazingly, uh, when we had the What's Working for English Learners Conference, and we uh, kind of had a book launch for Krofna with Baba, we were sharing about the book. And another teacher came to me and said, my kids are Serbian and Latino also. Oh my goodness, the connection she and I made. I, Julia is Serbian and Latino as well. And, and so is my son. And so to find someone else who has that same cultural connection was amazing. She and I talked for so long. We talked about Babas and we talked about Krofna and we talked about Slava and we talked about these traditions that we have. And then I went home and I told Julia, I texted Julia and I said, you'll never believe this, but I found a woman who has children that are Serbian and Hispanic like you. Can you believe this? And Julia said, no, I've never met anyone who is both like me. Can you send me a picture? I want to see what someone <laughs> looks like that has the same ethnic, you know? I mean, isn't that, that's so special. Yeah. It really is special. It's like, I am seen. I, yes. I, 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 I am valued. Uh, I'm a part of this world. And that book really is an example of saying, I see you, you're valuable. Your experiences matter. Your experiences are like mine. I'm not alone. Yeah, and Tom, you know, I think it's really important for us to recognize as educators that, yes, kids need to see themselves in books, but also it's not just about Serbian children seeing themselves. It's about other kids who are not Serbian saying, hey, you know what? People do this. Other people have different traditions. They have words. They have language. It's different than mine, but we can connect. We have more alike than we have different from each other. 
And so that's why I think it's so important that we as educators read books from other cultures and experiences and languages and talk about those, open up the lines of communication so kids do feel less alone and they feel connected and they build empathy with one another. Like Dr. Um, Sims Bishop said, books are mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors to different worlds. And so your book is uh, a mirror for your own culture, your own family, uh, a window for us to see into Serbian culture, but also a sliding glass door for others to walk into the culture as well. So let's end the podcast with reading a few more pages. Okay, so this is the end of the book. At the end, I look around and our house is filled with laughter, love, friends, family, and krofne. My eyes meet Baba's and she hands me a plate with krofne. She gives me the ones with the most powdered sugar because she loves me the most. Then she serves all of our other guests some krofne too. We krofne and sit together with big smiles on our faces, tummies filling up. Look at that picture. It's a, it's a family on the couch with all this krofne around. It's though you're though I've never eaten a krofne. It, that, that picture reminds me of my family where we come together around food and then yes. the, and the culture and the stories come come from that tradition. So um, I am so excited. This is the first of many uh, Life with Baba books. I hope so. I hope it's a series. <laughs> yes, I hope it's a series. I think it's great. Well, I keep walking into Target and looking around going, is it in Target? I want it to be in Target. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. Keep on sharing it, getting into teachers' hands. Um, Julia, do you, is there anything else you want to add, Valentina and Julia? about, about the I, I just want to say that I am thankful to Sideless Education for trusting in us, trusting this story in our hands, and helping us to get it out into everybody else's hands. <laughs> this is probably their first of many uh, children's book series, multilingual, bilingual children's books or, uh, story. So it's great that you started that, uh, Valentina. Thank you so much, Tan. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. It's my honor. Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast. My invitation is to check out my three courses on English Learner Portal. One is on creating the conditions for MLs to thrive, one on teacher collaboration, and one based on my co-authored book with Beth Skelton called Long-Term Success for Experienced Multilinguals. Now, on to our recap. My main takeaway is that reading multicultural children's book is one of the first steps of inclusion. However, it's not the only one. What we have to do next is to take it by using the content of their multicultural book and having students make connections to their lives. From this, they'll see the similarities and differences. The content of multicultural books can make concepts more concrete and relevant. 
students can return to them consistently throughout the unit to reinforce their learning. The content of multicultural books can also be the springboard for more reading, researching, writing, and collaborating. And this is how we more meaningfully integrate multicultural books within our curriculum. Thank you for listening. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode. 